0: Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. The
1: score! score! This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com In Odyssey Station.
2: Those guys in Chicago, their, their coaches there have done a phenomenal job of working with him. He's one hell of a player. He has a very bright future um, in Chicago, and I'm just I'm proud of him. You know, because he's a great kid. He cares immensely about the game. He loves it. He's passionate,
1: and he's going to keep growing. Matt Neggy on Justin Fields. Of course, he's saying nice things about him. I wish he would have played him instead of Andy.
2: Yeah, I'm, I, I'm,
1: just, I'm just still bitter hearing some of that stuff. You where should be
2: bitter, but where Andy,
1: Andy, Andy, they globalized
2: Andy. everything. When you ask questions about Justin, they made it about all the quarterbacks, or made it about Andy. And I mean, I, I heard a little bit of regret in the the three or four minutes of of Matt Nagy. You got to do a lot of the work to to hear it, though. But not, you gotta, but not you, enough. You got to listen real hard. You know, like there's not enough. When I think that he understands that that game plan that they had against Cleveland was. Pretty terrible and and not something that was going to allow Justin Fields to succeed. Yeah, but we knew it after one series. Of course we did. But the part where I don't think he has figured out or is willing to admit as of yet is they didn't prepare him. Right. Like they just didn't because they were so busy preparing Andy to be their quarterback that's going to win him eight games I don't think they saw the opportunity to save their jobs in a different way. When we had Adam Hogan, he said too many people at the Super Bowl are,
1: are talking about this idea or endorsing the idea of trading Justin Fields for the primary purpose of resetting the quarterback clock to, to bring a rookie in. This is what Stonecutter writes. Hey! If you are someone you love is considering trading Justin Fields to reset the rookie quarterback clock... I'm sorry, but they or you are suffering from terminal McKinsey brain. It's an inoperable condition with a 100% mortality rate. We could give you something for the pain, but we've decided that to do so is inefficient, and thus you and those around you will just have to suffer through this. The good news is it doesn't shorten your life expectancy. It just makes you act like a penis. I'm going to keep saying this until I don't have to anymore. Justin Fields is the third best quarterback prospect to come out of college in the last 10 years. Oh. It's Trevor Lawrence, then it's Joe Burrow, and then it's Fields. Joe Burr! Nothing he has shown on the field in his career suggests he cannot still achieve the full potential his talent affords him. He may not get there, but the door is still wide open, and he's so close. If you trade him, you are a moron. These drooling, process-obsessed chuds are all horned up to screw up the process at the exact worst point just to start another process with an objectively worse prospect. Make it stop.
2: You got a cigar on your own, I see. Yeah, I'm smoking to Joe Barrow. You smoking on the Joe? Barrow. Yeah, I'm smoking on the Joe Barrow. How about that? Did you hear about how Patrick Mahomes had to to speak to the <laughs> Parkins back. and Spiegel yeah. interview with Pat Mahomes? Yeah, he did. Look at our guys going national. That's a good thing to have that type of juice on your show. Um, as as for Stonecutter's email, I I agree with him, although not as um. That is meanly. Uh, like, jeez, call a guy a chud. Um, I look at it as it's. It, it almost feels as if people are talking about it from the standpoint of a general manager, where because we do fantasy sports and betting, and because we have a better sense of how things work, even though we don't know how exactly things work. Well, obviously, you'd rather have. Five years of control with Bryce Young, then three years of control. Why are you rooting for contract control as its own thing? It's a weird thing. And I my thing is, if that's part of your deal, there's four years of control on Justin Fields. You've got the three years that are you extend for the fifth year option, right? And then if you can't get a deal worked out between now and three years from now, you can franchise tag him if things are going really, really well. So to me, there's not a ton to worry about. I don't know if they can get to the place where, because you know my comp has always been Jalen Hurts. I don't know if the rest of the roster can get to where I would like it to be this year so we can see Justin Fields take that leap. But a lot of that also depends on what happens in free agency. And remember, the Bears have more money than anybody in free agency. And then what you're able to do with that number one draft pick and what you're able to turn it into. Maybe I'm wrong. And, and maybe I shouldn't set the bar low. And that I should look at, at the 2023 season and say, yeah, you should make market improvement. And, and we should see a lot of good... Sure, you've got to change out probably your entire offensive and defensive line. But you should win 10 games? You you definitely shouldn't lose 10 in a row because you have a better version of your quarterback. Like I'm that. not trying to
1: put you on the spot, but but by the time we get closer to the season and get some sense of how hard they've stepped on the accelerator here, we'll be able to put a number on it.
2: Yeah, and, and a lot of it does depend on what the market bears for that number one pick. Um, shout out to my guy, Anthony Durunda, who's a producer of football night in Chicago. And so I'm, I'm on the set, you know, I've got an IFB in and we were in a break and he goes, so I got this idea. And I'm like, Oh, here we go. So, so he's like, it's a galactic brain idea. I know it's stupid, but he was suggesting that the bears trade the number one pick to Cincinnati for T Higgins. And at first, I was like, "That's really crazy," and then I was like, "Well, wait a minute," and then I was like, "No, that's really crazy," because you end up getting more players than than just T. Higgins, and you have to extend T. Higgins and all this other stuff. I do want them to get good players quickly, and I think that they're set up to do that. But then there's the the other part that's you know, your quarterback also has to improve. It's I like a bunch of the prospects at quarterback. I actually like this quarterback class more than other people do, hmm. but I don't think I don't think any of the prospects have a higher ceiling than what Justin Fields has. Now I've gone on record; you and I have talked about it. I think Bryce Young can be Drew Brees, and that's that is that's high a high. It's a hall praise. of famer. It's high praise. It's a walk
1: in hall of famer.
2: But I understand the concern. When you look at a guy that's probably 5'10", 5'11", and weighs 175 pounds, and you're seeing his predecessor... Don't tell Rakim. Yeah, Well, I mean, this would be part of the problem. He said quarterbacks are 6'7", 280 now, and he's right. <laughs> but you see Tua literally getting ragdolled, and you, you're you concerned about that. and And I get that concern, but... Don't sleep on the skills of Bryce Young. Like, I, I think he's NFL-ready right damn now. And the other guys on the list, I am intrigued by Anthony Richardson's traits. But that gets guys in trouble. That, that gets general managers in trouble when you draft on traits and you go, well, this guy's got all the stuff, and then you kind of have to teach him how to play quarterback. I think Will Levis is a really impressive prospect. I don't think he's as good... As other people are making him... I, I personally don't think he's even close to Bryce Young. But I get it. When you look at him and you say 6'3", 225, strong arm, can run. He's got a little, got some moxie. He's got moxie. Tough guy. Grit. Played hurt. Like I, I get it. I understand what you're saying. And when I look at C.J. Stroud, I go kind of a clone of Justin Fields. I already got Justin Fields, so I don't need his clone. So <laughs> i I don't know why people, other than wanting to be married, into the process of kick the can down the road, and we've gotten used to that as sports fans too, where we just kind of allow it. Like, oh, well, obviously this 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 is this is, this is seven is more than six and all this stuff where all of these weird things can happen yeah but 7 is more than 6 was a way to keep your players
1: you knew were good like that that i that i understood is like a procedural quirk yet they
2: didn't because what did you find out you found out that they weren't necessarily good enough and after they got here you were like oh we we're going in a different direction the game itself may be going in a different direction I just think the raw materials of Justin Fields, It's you. if you're drawing up quarterback, like if, if I said, draw me a quarterback, it looks like Justin Fields.
1: Yeah, I just think it's beyond even raw materials. It's not just traits. The guy has had terrific games in the NFL, and he's setting records, and he's, right.
2: he's an it guy. Dan, I'm with you, but I'm saying just if we start at the beginning, if we were to put Justin Fields in this draft, he gets picked number one. Of course he does, by a mile. But now we know people who have been around and covered Justin Fields, we know that all of the intangible stuff is there too. Right. Gets it, works hard, got leadership ability. And Te- teammates like and follow him. Yeah. Yes. Like, he's got all that stuff, and now it's let's work on the mechanical stuff, which – This is going to sound reductive and simplistic when I say it. It's the easiest part. The other stuff isn't. 6'3", 220 is not easy. Being a leader and someone that has the charisma and the knowledge that people want to follow that person, that's not an easy thing to do. Going back and working on what you look like in a three-step drop That's easier. So we had Sean King on yesterday. Sean King was a quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He spent a bunch of time working as the quarterback's coach at his alma mater, Tulane. He works for Visa now. He was great. And I highly recommend that you go back and listen to the entire 20 minutes that Sean was on with us yesterday. But here's a couple of minutes of him talking about Justin Fields and what are the things that he's looking at and for.
3: I think his mental toughness has improved significantly. I think he got an opportunity to flash the elite athleticism that he has. And he has the arm talent. I mean, the skills are there. Control the controllables. You know, you can't let the chaos around you take you out of the mindset it takes to be successful, play in and play out. You know, I have a rule during the entire offseason. Every throw we make is going to be from in the pocket and in rhythm. I, I want to teach and develop him and, and have him gain confidence in being a system quarterback, then let our elite skill set make us great. But we have to get to the point where to be successful on the field, we got to make all our layups from the pocket. And I mean, that's when the pocket's clean, the pass protection is great, and guys are open that we have the confidence and the consistency to hit them on a consistent basis, and you only develop that through muscle memory. I was a quarterback coach. I had a young player, Quentin Flowers, skill set very similar to Justin Fields. I used to put PVC pipes around him in 707 where he could not leave outside of the PVC pipes. I wanted to get him comfortable from the pocket throwing the ball to the wide side of the field, to the short side of the field, in between the hashes, in between the hashes and the numbers, uh, numbers to the sideline, all from one spot. And that just takes repetition. Second thing is, and I don't understand why a lot of coordinators and play callers in the National Football League don't get this, an athletic quarterback is much more dangerous when there's a design pass play than he is when you're designing a bunch of QB runs. When I have four eligibles that the defense has to account for, that means that they are not focused on who? Me. So now when I decide to scramble because I've gone through my reads and no one's there, there's less eyes on me. There's less attention on me, which means the contact generally is not as significant because people are having to redirect. They're having to change direction now. Their angles and their fits aren't what they would be Is if all of my runs or the majority of my runs come from design QB runs. I think he's shown enough to build around moving forward. I don't think the Chicago Bears should be looking at quarterback at number one because I don't think any of the available quarterbacks this year in the draft offer a better skill set than what Justin Fields has.
2: So that was Sean King kind of breaking it all down. I love the idea of you're not doing anything outside, young fella. We're all in the pocket. Let's You're get these right here. Let's let's get these pipes going, and and you can't go out. The pipes are lava. You can't go anywhere the near
1: pipes, there. The pipes are calling. I. It's, it's the equivalent of the old. I can't dribble with my left hand. Yep. Well, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna immobilize your right hand. We're gonna take a belt and we're gonna strap your right hand to your body, and now go. There was a drill that I did in middle school where I had goggles that I couldn't look down. Oh, yeah, I know a, those. Yeah, I know those goggles. You have to know where the ball is. Try doing that dribbling a tennis ball. It's rough. If you really want to get good. That's what Steve Nash did.
2: Well, that doesn't surprise me, but he also had a different kind of spatial awareness, too. Because of, because soccer. of soccer. Right, like he, his body moved a little bit differently, which is why kids should play more than one mm. sport, mm. that you shouldn't just specialize. Uh, someone texted in, um, and, and I do think that it's a point that that does need to be made. That if you go back to the draft, that he wonders like how much the the tropes of black quarterbacks played in fields not getting drafted. I think there's probably a little bit of that in there. But remember, Trey uh, Trey Lance was drafted number three. I think that people. This is what gives me hope that the Bears are going to be able to flip that number one pick into all sorts of stuff. I think people lose sight of what they saw in games. It's the only thing that explains Trey Lance and Zach Wilson in that draft. I think both of those guys are legitimate quarterback prospects. But Trey Lance didn't really play his last year. And you look at who Zach Wilson played and you go, eh. They were drafted because of some of the measurable stuff, especially with Trey Lance. And then what what Zach Wilson did in pro days and workouts. I wonder if people were scared away from Justin Fields because of the epilepsy. And I wonder how many of them were scared away because he's headstrong about the Big Ten. And but like that's to me is should be a notch in his column. You want to talk about love's football? The dude took on the commissioner of the Big Ten to play football. He, he did it publicly and respectfully and got his wish and was able to mobilize enough people to his cause that the commissioner of the Big Ten, who's now the president of the Bears, did a reversal.
1: You got to love football. You're Let damn me say right. It again. You don't have to love football. You got to really love football. Oh, really love it. There. I appreciate the clarification. Kaylin Kaler is one of our favorite football experts, and she's going to join us next on The Score.
2: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
4: You have 47 new voicemails.
1: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
3: Bernstein at Homes, middays 10 to 2, on
1: 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. 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 Look at this lineup in the backfield. Here to get those third-quarter numbers. Hurts <laughs> touchdown, Eagles. Jalen Hurts, what a wall of Eagles, powering his way in. Why would you play that play? That's just—it's just a sneak. Well, there's a reason for it. Is because our next guest is geeking out over it, as is her want. Kaylin Kaylor is the senior NFL writer for The Athletic. She is on Twitter at Kaylin Kaylor and she joins us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. How are you, Kaylin? Hey, Dan
4: and Lawrence, how are you? I'm doing good.
2: We are doing really, really well. So why are why are you like geeking out over quarterback sneaks?
4: <laughs> because the Eagles have really found a way to exploit the sneak this year. Uh, this season, in ways that we have never seen before, they uh, have put a bunch of players behind Jalen Hurts to push him forward. And about uh, uh, midseason, I had a few people around the NFL kind of complaining to me about what the Eagles were doing, even though it's totally legal. Like, this is okay per the rule book. You are allowed to push your offensive teammate forward, you're just not allowed to pull them. And the Eagles had a couple instances this year where they did actually pull as well, but. Um, They have since eliminated that from their repertoire, and they are just sticking to the push. They'll line up, you know, two players behind Jalen Hurts, sometimes even three to push him forward. Um, And it's just something that we haven't seen NFL teams really do before. And Eagles have really made it kind of one of the staples of their offense this season.
2: I love it too. Dan and I have talked about it, you know, week after week because, you know, we're looking at the, the Eagles as a template for maybe what the Bears can do. I love the diamond formation aspect of it. It seems like an unstoppable play. Do you think that there's going to be a run to the rules committee this off season about this?
4: <laughs> I do. I would be surprised if the competition committee didn't at least discuss it. I'm not sure if they'll actually make a change. Um If they were, you know, thinking about it from a player safety perspective, I could see them possibly making a change there because, you know, a lot of the uh, people who argue against it say, oh, one of these days, a quarterback is really going to get hurt. But if you actually watch what the Eagles do, um, and I talked to a bunch of the players who have been in that sort of pushing role with the Eagles, and they will admit to you that they barely do anything. They're like, yeah, we're there to, like, be, you know, the last effort if they need it, but... Their offensive line is just so good that they're getting that, um, they're getting the push without, you know, having the guys behind Jalen really do much work at all. So I do think the competition committee is going to uh, probably talk about this. I don't know for sure. I don't have any, like, knowledge on that, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was brought up because there have been enough, you know, murmurings um, around opponents of the Eagles thinking, you know, this isn't football anymore. And if you talk to defensive players, they're all kind of, about it because they think it's kind of an unfair advantage to the offense. And this is a game that's already really set up to favor the offense as it is.
1: My favorite line, and it's one that made me say, huh, was Jason Kelsey, who you quoted as saying, it's not a sneak anymore. There's nothing sneaky about it. Both teams know it's coming. And I realized that, yeah, we call a short quarterback run a sneak, Because as it was created, it was like, oh, they're lining up. Oh, look what he did. He just jumped in the gap right there and fell for two yards. It was trickery. It was sneaky. And I hadn't really thought of it, the the etymology, that way. What I'm wondering, too, did you do any research into the rugby origins or similarities of it looking like what happens in, in a rugby mall?
4: Yes, and I've been yelled at a few times for saying scrum instead of mall because <laughs> um, the, the rugby – and you used it right, Dan. It is, a, it is the rugby mall. Because I've is, been yelled uh,
1: at too. I've been yelled yeah, at enough that I don't make right, that mistake okay. anymore.
4: <laughs> okay, we're on, we're on the same page then. Um, yeah, because every time I say scrum, somebody will tweet at me and be like, no, it's not. That's not the rugby play. But I did actually interview a rugby coach in Ireland because when the Cowboys played the Eagles, I believe it was week 16 – Dan Quinn, Greg Olson on the Fox broadcast said that Dan Quinn had been so stumped as to how to stop the Eagles because they were just, you know, winning with the numbers. They have the bodies on offense that the defenses really struggle to match because if you do match them, uh, you know, numbers-wise, if you match them body for body, you're leaving the edges of your defense wide open for them to run any other play. So you kind of have to decide as the defense, like, are we going to sell out to stop the sneak and then we don't care if they beat us a different way or do we want to defend the edges and then know that they're going to succeed on the sneak anyways? It's a lose, lose situation. And so Dan Quinn reached out to a rugby coach that he had um, when he was the head coach of the Falcons, he had formed a relationship with him. So they spent an hour on the, on a zoom meeting that week leading up to the Eagles game to discuss how to stop this. And the rugby coach was like, look, I think you should just match them body for body. You have to get low. You have to win the pad level battle, the shoulder battle, if you called it. Um, and if you look, like, the sideline angle of these sneaks is so interesting because these guys, the Eagles offensive line is, like, literally laying on the ground. Like, they, I, they couldn't get lower if they tried. It's amazing. And when they, when they played the Bears, I think they had three sneaks against the Bears, um, one touchdown and a two-point conversion. And the Bears uh, were actually called for being in the neutral zone. Because uh, one of the defensive linemen was literally lined up like underneath Jason Kelsey. Yeah, it was Mike Pennell. I
1: remember it was was Mike Pennell. Yeah.
4: Yeah, and so that's another advantage. I'm going on a tangent here, but that's like another advantage of the sneak is that the Eagles know their count. The defense does not know their snap count. So the Eagles are able to like get these defenses like completely on edge, get them to line up in the neutral zone, get called for a penalty, and then they run the same play again and they score. And it's just like it's just completely amazing. There are so many benefits to this. Like you can get the a penalty called on the defense. You can get them to jump the snap. They don't know your snap count. And then if they leave the edges wide open, which which is what happened with the Bears two point conversion, Jalen Hurts literally just walked around the left side of the Bears defense because they stacked the box to try to stop the sneak. And he was like, "All right, well, I'm not going to get the sneak, so I'm just going to walk around the edge." So um, that was a long-winded explanation to say that, um, yes, I did talk to a rugby <laughs> coach about it. And he said, you know, go body for body. And he was literally like, if they had beat you another way, then so be it. So I guess the Bears um, did do it correctly. But I think the one thing that is true about this is that going over the top, um, a lot of defenses will extend like, like a linebacker, like jumping over the top. Unless your timing is perfect, like that is just really not the best way to play it because you know, you're not going to stop it by jumping over it because it's such a low play to begin with. Um, so, yeah, there's really no solution. But talking to a rugby coach was helpful to understand it a little bit better.
2: All right, so look, I'm not done asking you about this yet because I've got more questions, including, like, we know that Jalen Hurts is legendary on the squat rack. We know that he squatted 600 pounds. Does this system work if you don't have him as the quarterback? Can anyone run this with, with, what the the Eagles' formation is and their philosophy, or does it work partially because it's actually a guy who gets good drive when he snaps the ball?
4: Yes. Um. So yes and no. You can run this with any quarterback. I I've, I've talked to coaches, and that seems to be like the consensus. If you do not need a quarterback who can squat six hundred pounds to run the sneak at the rate that the Eagles do. However, you do need. I'm not going to discount like Jalen's athleticism. That's obviously hugely helpful to them. But you do need the buy in. There's a lot of quarterbacks who don't like to sneak. Like Philip Rivers literally never did it because he'd hurt both of his knees, I believe, earlier in his career. And so that was something that he did not want any part of. So you do have to have the right quarterback. Um, You know, Tom Brady loved the sneak, he was really good at it. Um, And he's not Jalen Hurts by any means. Um, So, you really don't need a uh, Jalen Hurts type of quarterback to do it, but you do need a quarterback who realizes the advantages of it and is willing to do it because there's a lot of them who just really don't want anything to do with this play because it makes them uncomfortable. There is a little bit of an injury risk to it because, you know, speaking of the Super Bowl, the Chiefs literally have not ran one since Patrick Mahomes, um, I think, dislocated his kneecap a few years ago on a quarterback sneak. So there is a bit of an injury risk to your quarterback. So you do have to have that like mental buy-in. So I think that does correlate with like being the type of quarterback that Jalen is, who is comfortable running and especially with Justin Fields, like he is the exact type of quarterback who could do this as well. And I do think the bears did a pretty good job with scheming up some sneaks. um, This season, they had a a cool kind of trick sneak as well that when I was reporting the story, a lot of people mentioned to me as like, Oh, Hey, did you see what the bears did? Like that was pretty cool. Um, so I do think the Bears did a good job with this with fields. I think they could just expand on it um, next season because I think he is the type of quarterback who would already have that mental buy-in of realizing why this play works and realizing that he can do it.
1: I wonder what your Super Bowl experience is like because of your reporting style, Kaylin. because you like pieces that are, are voluminously sourced and talking to a lot of people about a thing. It's not necessarily just sitting down with one person and telling a story and everybody's there. They're all there, and and you can actually walk up to them, and everybody's being made available. Are you? I mean, does it get overwhelming to know that there's just so many people you can talk to about so many things?
4: It does, and it's also like hard because um, there's a quick turnaround. Uh, I find it hard to kind of work on Super Bowl stories in advance because you don't really know uh, who's going to be in the Super Bowl until two weeks beforehand. So you know, you're scrambling at the last minute. And I was at the senior bowl and the shrine game last week. So I wasn't really in Super Bowl mindset until like this past weekend. So I am definitely overwhelmed. is like a very good word for it because, you know, media night, I'm like, Oh my God, I got to get this guy for this idea. Then I got to get this guy for a different idea. And, um, I feel like there's too much going on in my brain right now, but it is awesome to have all the players in front of you and not even just the players, but, um, the coach access is really great because all of the assistants are available. And, um, that's not, you know, normal during the season. You might get an assistant coach, you know, every other week or once a month. It just depends on kind of the team that you're at. But here, like every assistant, um, you know, down to the quality control guys who are like never available during the season. Um, so all of the assistants are available, which to me is really fun. All right.
2: All right. So you were at the senior bowl. How our guy Luke Getsy do? Uh
4: good. You know, he was, uh, he was very, uh, I didn't stay for the game, so I can't say how he like, coached in the game. But um, he he seemed very organized and also like very um, social and around you know around the town of Mobile um, in the evening hours. He was he was out a lot, doing a lot of networking. And so, you know, I definitely can see him uh, you know moving up the coaching ranks because he just just seems very uh, good at at the networking aspect of of this job.
1: So, what do you make of the the sights and sounds of Radio Row? My 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 my, my experience there has, has always made me a little miserable about our profession, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't I don't know if yours
4: is the same. Yeah, um, I haven't been there today. This is the day that it kind of gets really heated up, so I'm about yep. to head over there right now. Yeah, because Goodell is going to talk in like a half hour, so I'm going to head over there and see you know what he has to say, and then NFLPA D. Smith is going after him, so that should be a couple of interesting press conferences back to back. But yeah, Radio Row should be heating up today. It was kind of like, honestly, kind of like calm yesterday. Um, but today is the day that like a lot of like former players or current players are kind of uh, the talent moving around. Um, so that, that should be good. But the media night experience is definitely out of control. That was Monday night. And that's when you have all the people asking for selfies. Like, it's just so annoying to be waiting to talk to a player. And you have to wait for, like, four people to take a selfie with them first. And it's just like, what are we doing? Like, why why are we doing this?
2: It does seem that way. Kaylin. what do you make of what's going on with Aaron Rodgers?
4: Yeah, I am so torn. I could see it going either way. Like, I, you know, I'm I'm conditioned to believe that he's just going to end his, He's just going to be in Green Bay for forever. Um, but at the same time, it does feel like, and there's been reports that you know the Packers front office has kind of soured on him, and I think the record that they had this season, and I think the way that you know he uh, incorporated the young players into the offense maybe made people kind of realize, hey, you know maybe we would be better off like moving on from this guy once and for all, and just like starting over. So and I think the I think the way that the season ended with them missing the playoffs was kind of like the moment of realization on that. So I could see I I could see either way, but I also think that like Aaron has it set up so perfectly in Green Bay that I'm honestly surprised that he would want to leave because you know, he's got a media core there that is very nice to him. Um, he has enough power in that organization, he can kind of do what he wants to do. Um, I'm, I don't know that that would be the case if he went to, like, Las Vegas with Josh McDaniels, who is a different type of coach than Matt LaFleur, or if he went to New York, uh, the New York Jets, where he's going to face some really hard questions from the media like every time he's available. So, you know, I don't know that... I, I'm kind of surprised that he would want to leave this bubble that he's created for himself in Green Bay. And I do think, like, next season, if he stayed... You know, at the end of the year, we were seeing that offense gel and, like, mesh, and he was forming a, a connection with the rookie receivers, and Christian Watson has a ton of potential. So I do think there'll be a lot better team next year if he stays, so I'm kind of surprised that, like, he's doing this again where he's like, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to mo- go play somewhere else. Like, he's got it set up exactly how he needs it in group it.
1: So, your Northwestern Wildcats going to be back for a deep tournament run? Are you bought in again for uh, for uh, Wildcat basketball?
4: I need to go to a game. I haven't been to a game yet this season, but um, every time I watch them, they have lost. But so I'm still I'm still trying to tune in for for a win. But I know they are like so competitive this season and so much better. So I am I am highly encouraged by what I'm seeing, but. Not ready to commit to um, another tournament run quite yet.
2: What's on your list of things that you think will make the difference inside the Super Bowl?
4: Um, in the game? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's. I think. I mean, it's going to be a really. I think. I hope it'll be a really close, a competitive game. I was really disappointed. Like obviously, we all were last week when, um, you know, Brock Purdy goes down because I thought you know the Eagles. I like. I, I'm picking the Eagles, but I don't feel confident in it because they haven't really faced elite competition this year, aside from the Cowboys in like week 16. But the Chiefs have played some really, really high-level teams more than the Eagles have. So I'm like, I think the Eagles are better top to bottom, but I'm also not super confident in that because I thought last week would have proven that when they played the Niners, who would have been the best team they would have faced. But, you know, we really can't judge what happened last week with the Niners because everyone, everything that went wrong I mean, that could have gone wrong, went wrong there. So I'm like not a hundred percent confident in uh, my prediction with the Eagles there, but you know, I think, I think it'll come down to uh, really just kind of a quarterback shootout with these offenses.
1: Kalen. Thanks for the time. Enjoy. Have fun down there.
4: Thanks guys.
1: That's Kalen Kaler, the senior NFL
2: writer for the athletic. I see you being proud over there. I see you. What? I know that you've known Kalen for a long time. I see you being proud.
1: Yeah, her her dad and I were longtime CBA play-by-play counterparts, and I I first met Kalen when she was a couple of months
2: old. I think. How about that? I mean,
1: tiny, tiny infant, infant in in the little plastic bucket in her dad's office.
2: How about that? Isn't that great? Yeah, pretty awesome. See see people out there living their dream. She's right though about Wednesday is when mhm gets wild cuz everyone's everyone's in town now this is like
1: when Rob Schneider shows up Yeah, and this is when the wrestlers show
2: up and yeah Monday and Tuesday I I actually really like Tuesday because you can feel it but it's not in your face. I usually like it after things settle down, after
1: the, the whole media frenzy, the the, the the later in the week availabilities with the teams when you're usually in like a hotel ballroom with a bunch of tables. And I don't know if they still do it that way, where it's a, a, you sit down at a table. And I've had some of my best, most interesting football conversations with, with coordinators and assistant coaches in those environments because then they start drawing stuff on your notebook. That that's when it's not busy. Everybody's kind of looking at their watch, and like there's no questions left to ask. About all the time in the world, the bus doesn't leave for another twenty minutes. You can go over someone else and say, "Hey, I've always wondered about this play." Or. That guy that you coach or whatever happened to so and you, and you end up going down some rabbit holes, just learning some things that you didn't expect going in. Once you get your once you can ch- sort of check off and ever all the work that you need to get done and all the sound you need to harvest and you can just do things to educate and edify yourself a little bit more about the game and the people involved. Those are my
2: favorite. days. I like Friday, too, because then everyone's all like the people who aren't staying for the game are leaving. So Radio Row gets quiet like Friday mm-hmm. afternoon, and then that's a lot of fun. I, unfortunately, I was the last man out of Radio Row for the Bears Super Bowl because I was doing our pregame show oh, from okay. radio, and then I caught like the last bus to get over to the stadium. That was like when Les was doing the
1: nighttime show, and the, it's just the security guard yeah. and Les. Yeah,
2: and it's, it's wild like how you go from like a vibrant place where – Everything is going on, and then even by the time like I got back, like from the Super Bowl, things were already starting to be torn down and broken down. And you're like, "Wow, this is just an empty convention." That's all it is. That's all it is. It's buzzing with this 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 hive of football
1: activity, and then next week it's furries in there.
2: Well, if you're lucky.
1: (laughs) Well, man. Yeah, depending on what you like, I'm not yucking anybody's yum.
2: If, if you're lucky, there are furries in there and they're hanging out. And hopefully they're actually using the human bathrooms. That would be good. I have run into some situations where that poor cab driver I met in Pittsburgh.
0: I love this.
2: Dan, I felt so bad for him. He was shaking. He was absolutely shaking. I, I'm sitting here. I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to go see where the Homestead Greys played, mm-hmm. and like, I'm, I want to really like, I want to find out all this tradition in Pittsburgh and all this stuff. And, and he's like, um, you're not part of of, of, the, of the group, are you? And so I'm looking around, like, what does that mean? Is that some, that's some racist stuff that's going on here? <laughs> he's like, well, you're not in a costume and. Like, that, that's probably good. And there are people and they were in a costume and then they would only bark and meow at me. And I was like, oh, the convention that's going on. He's like, yeah. yeah he like found himself in a South Park episode. It was, it was <laughs> he was so happy that we were ordinary people and not <laughs> sexual harassment, panda. <laughs> <laughs> that poor guy. I tipped him big, I tipped him so big. I'm like, hey, man. you had a rough one. You've had a rough day.
1: I'm the don't look at the sun or it'll burn your retina worm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, when they, go, they go to the, 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 the island the, of misfit mascots. Yeah, the, like the retreat for the unloved mascots. <laughs> what was the octopus? <laughs> I, I got to remember that one. It's so great. <laughs> don't look at the sun or it'll burn your retina worm.
2: <laughs> when we come back, remember how earlier this week I was talking about how bad the NHL All-Star and NFL Pro Bowl stuff was. Guess what? The players agree with me. And they offer some suggestions on how to make it better. So we'll hear from one of the, the Chicago Blackhawks on this. And we'll hear from one of our favorite NFL players, George Kittle. Next, you're on The Score.
1: Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com and Odyssey Station.
2: Best thing the ESPN has ever produced. The ESPN hockey theme song. It's newsy. Yeah, I like I've always liked it. So, when they didn't have hockey for a while, people were like, Are they going to bring it back? And they did. And then they saw a bump in hockey viewership last year, and now they've seen a decline. Sort of
1: like what Round Ball Rock is doing for Fox, uh, yeah, college it's basketball. Still, it's now. still
2: weird. Yeah. And those, I mean, I, a lot of Big East games, only my alma mater in the Big East. Like, they don't deserve Round Ball Rock. Yeah. You know, all right. Fix the All Star game. All right. Sorry. Um, Seth Jones said this about what happened with the NHL's festivities.
1: I, I'm not sure of the details behind, you know, the ESPN, NHL. The I think they had probably had a three-hour time slot for TV. I'm guessing that's what happened. You know, there was two White sands. Uh, kind of unnecessary we're not really chewing up the ice out there um, and it was just very dragged out i think you know, i feel bad for even the fastest skater some of those guys they had to do the lap and wait an hour and a half and then get cold again
2: and then do another lap. i think they could just tighten it up a bit yeah tighten it up a little bit because it was it was laborious watching that thing as for the pro bowl like we're all trying to figure out ways to make that experience better for everyone NFL Films caught George Kittle talking to Eli Manning about this. Check this out.
1: Yeah, hey, I got an idea. Yeah.
2: Are you going to do this again next year? I don't know.
1: Maybe. You should suggest like a soft- softball. Kickball.
2: Kickball, maybe. Paintball. paintball? Yeah. That'd be nuts. I you like the like kickball. Kickball or softball. I, I really do like that idea. Kickball, softball. You could have a paintball tournament if you want it. It, it would be better than what they put out there. And if you want it, you could do like a a celebrity softball game with the players there. Do the superstars again. Bring everybody
1: back. Put all the leagues together. Do it all one day and just do the superstars. Well,
2: they can't do that because the ca- the calendars just, are all just off. figure that out or just stop all of it. I don't think we need any of it. No, but they need it for programming. Like, that's the whole point of it. Like, the, the Pro Bowl used to rate. How about this? We used to do something at at overnight
1: camp called challenge games. Okay. And challenge games were a person or a cabin could challenge publicly. You walked, you literally walked up to the microphone after lunch, after announcements, and you would issue a challenge. And it could be I'm going to play so and so one on one basketball, or Cabin J three ca- challenges Cabin J four to a game of dodgeball at the at the junior village area. What in is front this drumline? No, that and that. But and you did that. It's whatever whatever you wanted to do, and you'd agree on it, and then you would have your challenge game. So do it where it, in the league, maybe two guys think they're great at badminton, or maybe or you know, pickleball, right? Or, or or what's his name? You, you got the guy from the Bears who's curling, Jared Allen. And you could set it up, but maybe there's some long-standing intra locker room rivalry where you got to challenge a guy at ping pong, or a group wants to get together and play bridge. You know, just I, I, don't, I, I don't know, I, I don't know. But I'm saying, just leave it open to everything. Bass fishing tournament, and and, and set it up. Robert Quinn's going to win that. And, well, and let these guys. or oh, no, wait! Who's the guy on on the Bears who celebrated his sacks with different fishing pantomimes? Where Remember. We Yes, Willie Young. Yeah, drop shotting and all that stuff. And I liked Willie. That was awesome. Interesting dude. Yeah, so do – do if for your league, you could be individual. It could be team. It could be however they want to organize. Just get all the information and then pick some of the best challenge games.
2: I just say, like, if you want all the celebrities there, like, yeah, have it be like the all-star game of baseball and get a celebrity game against players. Because, you know, some of these guys can't hit. I saw it up close. Khalil Mack's one of the, the greatest athletes I've ever been around. Couldn't hit a softball to save his life. We had to give the man four or five strikes because he's Khalil Mack. This
1: is 8.847. Why do I feel Bernstein's summer camp challenge games led to the 2008 financial crisis?
2: (laughs) And let's be honest, the 2016 presidential election.
1: (laughs) That's hysterical. I challenge you to bundle credit (laughs) default swaps. I challenge you to bubble the housing market.
2: Now, that is funny. That's top-notch <laughs> texting. Not like most of the texts that we've gotten <laughs> yeah, today. There's some, there's some Twi- idiots out there today. Twitch, Twitch Twitch is far ahead of the text oh, today. Oh, it,
1: it, is, it, is, it is gas leak Wednesday as far as the texters are going for the most part. But that, that, well done. I will applaud that one for the 847.
2: When we come back, there's White Sox stuff that we'd like to discuss. <sighs> Bad. Next on The Score.
0: Baseball is back.